This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, and today you can see I've got Jason Eric uh, Ross with us. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. How are hey, you? Man, it's good to see you again. Same here. I'm trying to think. My, my, I would go back and look, but my binder's back at the office, and I can't get in my office. So I, I don't remember the exact date we were together, but we were together a while ago, maybe a year, year and a half ago, something like that. So uh, I, I, can act, I can actually tell you. Is that I right? Believe, yeah, I believe it was July of 2018. Okay, yeah, that's, so I'm a little, yeah, so about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's right. So, well, good to have you back, man. This is, uh, we are obviously living in unprecedented times. We've uh, dealing with the coronavirus, people quarantined at home. Uh, lots of emotional thoughts. And obviously with your background, which we'll dive into here in a little bit, but um, we want to talk about that stuff, right? The emotional side, uh, the anxiety, how to stay emotionally connected, self-care, all the stuff that we'll dive in today that you're an expert, you've spent your whole life doing this. But if you can just give us a little lay of the land again, who Jason Eric Ross is and uh, what's made you the man you are today. Thank you. I think, so I'm the son of two psychoanalysts. I became a psychotherapist uh, at about age 35, even though I had my master's 10 years before, I practiced psychotherapy in New York, Florida, and Georgia. And I'm also an actor, writer, and musician, which is a, I, I, wouldn't, I won't call it a side hustle because it's a little bigger <laughs> than that to me right. from a personal standpoint. But uh, I'm big on getting people to talk about uh, some serious issues, whether yeah. it be trauma, mental health, substance abuse, parenting and getting them to deal with their feelings, which nowadays I think we need to do more than that. Yeah, yep. And we were talking before we recorded, I mean, what, what's your perspective with obviously uh, being an expert in this stuff is um, right now people are just adapting, right? They're kind of reacting almost probably. You're at home, you are becoming a homeroom teacher, a math teacher, a reading teacher, uh, a therapist at home, uh, a fight breaker upper, uh, you know, you're making lunch, you're working, you're doing all this stuff, right? My, my amazing wife is managing 24 classes a day, um, you know, amongst things that she has to obviously still do in her life. And, and I have to worry about in my life. And so it's just chaotic, right? And so what, what advice would you have for those people at home right now that have just been thrown into this? The first piece of advice is really just be mindful about the truth about what you're experiencing. So when there's a two parent home, the parents have to be really mindful to say, look, we've got to support each other. We need to talk about what's going on. We need to talk about our stressors and we need to make sure, uh, in this case, you know, we say protect the quarterback. Well, there's two quarterbacks now yeah. and each has to be mindful to support the others saying, what do you need emotionally? What do you need physically? What can I do to help? And when you have that synergy, certainly with a two parent home or two parents, whether they're in the same house or not, we need that tremendously. And that's, yeah. that's the starting point for sure. Yeah. If we don't have that, we're not being 
uh, fair enough to ourselves. We need it now more than ever. Yeah. So talk to us about that self-care. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, right? I think hard to do when you do have the chaos of work and kids and having to get homework done and teach new concepts and all that. But how do you focus on self-care when you're in the heat of the battle? Fantastic question. I think this is, again, where you become mindful and you say, I need to have a schedule. And I think we talked a little bit probably the first time about there's sort of five major areas to consider. Emotional, physical, spiritual, social, and intellectual. You have to make sure those spheres of your life are covered. However, in this day and age, the physical is really important. That means sleep, nutrition, exercise to whatever degree. The emotional is covered, and that means talking. That means really talking about what's going on, whether it's uh, you know, with your partner, whether it's with a professional, a friend, because staying emotionally connected is so critical now because we're all compounded in our homes. And again, you know, parents have taken on pretty much every role right. that, let's face it, gets farmed out in a normal yeah. situation. Right? Yeah. Children spend an inordinate amount of time in school. We understand that. But when, now that we're in this situation, we have to say to ourselves, yeah, this wasn't what I hoped for. This wasn't what I expected, but I better be really mindful that if I don't take care of me, the ship doesn't uh, go too well. You know, we don't want the Titanic again. Yeah. But I think it's hard, right? Because sometimes you can feel selfish. You can feel like uh, it's, it's weak. It's, it's whatever the word you want to put on it. Right. Because you, I think as humans, we want to worry about others, especially our own children, right? We want to worry about them and making sure they're okay. And then you can kind of let your self care go to the side. Would you agree with that? That that's, kind of a normal that you see and, and, and how do you help with that? That's exactly the mindset that most people have. The word I was thinking of that we, was going to come up was, uh, I, I don't want to be selfish. Yeah. Well, there's, health, there's healthy selfish. Uh, self-love is not selfish. Uh, people want to call it that, they can. But yeah. this is the same thing that they, you know, they tell you when you're on the plane. You have to put the mask on yourself. Your children are only as good as you are healthy. That's true. And if you, yeah. model, if you model the behaviors for them, which is the most important thing a parent can do. The, the best parenting is monkey see, monkey do. Best parenting of all. You can yeah. tell a child what to do, but if you do it, you have a much better chance of the child following your lead without even telling them. Yeah. So this is that stage where you have to say, if I don't do this for myself, when? Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, is, it is. It's a lead by example thing, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're not exercising, I mean, if you, if you see an exercise every day and her mom gets up every morning and exercises or dad does this, then absolutely you're going to have a greater likelihood of that happening. Um, sure, so, sure. so talk to us about anxiety. So, you, you know, people say that word, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. Kind of give us the, the, the doctor side, if you will, of, of anxiety and, and how to see it coming how to embrace it, and how to make it a, an ally, if you will. You want to be aware of it, and you want to own it. So anxiety is basically what? A manifestation, a manifestation of fear. We tend to get physical symptoms, whether it be elevated heart rate, we sweat, tightness in the chest. And it's usually due to the fact that we haven't discussed something that we needed to. Hmm. Anxiety is about a locus of control. If some, take snakes. Yeah. Some people are afraid of snakes. And some people are not. What's the difference? The snakes haven't changed. Right. It's, how they, it's how they perceive what their control is, if they're afraid of it or not. So when anxiety presents itself, we really need to take a step back and say, what is this really about? What is this coming from? And most people are afraid to confront what the real fears are. Fears tend to emanate from childhood. They tend to emanate from old stuff. But when we don't get it out 
what's the phrase we always hear, right? But you, you got to get this off of your chest. Yeah. That's right. why people feel the heaviness of the chest. So we want to be able to sit down and say, it's okay to be anxious, perfectly okay. Not doing anything about it. It's different. Yeah. But it's okay to have this feeling, you know, mad, sad, glad, and afraid. Four basic feelings. We're supposed to have all four. We don't want to get mired in three of them. That way we can get to the other one, the quote, good one, being glad or happy. Sure. People have to own that they're anxious and they have to look at the root cause. You can't just medicate it. Sometimes you'll need to, but if you get to the root cause, you can actually have a, a cathartic release and mm. learn coping skills, of course, yeah. to deal with it. And this is a time where we want to learn coping skills. Right. So when you have a, uh, flipping the, the page here a little bit, but when you have somebody like me who was on a really, really bad flight about five, five and a half years ago, I made a deal with the man upstairs. I said, hey, if you get me and my family to survive this, I'll never fly again, right? Bad, bad thing to make a deal about. But So I haven't flown in five and a half years. So imagine somebody who was on vacation a lot uh, before all this. We, we went all over the country, did a lot of great things. And now we still go on vacation, but we, we get in the car and we drive 12 hours. And so um, what is that about? Obviously, this is a whole therapy session, right? That you would have to have with me for months and months and months and months to figure out what the hell is wrong with Brett Gilliland. But uh, I, I call it control, right? I'm not in control in that cockpit. I don't, I don't know how to fly the plane. I don't understand how the heck it even happens. Uh, and I made that deal. Obviously, that. the man upstairs has got bigger things to worry about than me flying. I understand that. So it's not logical. I know there's a greater likelihood that I'm going to die in a car wreck with my family on the way to vacation than I am in the plane actually flying, right? So I understand all the logic. None of, nothing I can argue about makes any sense why I do what I do. I get that. But when I think literally about booking a plane ticket, the heart rate goes up, the palms start sweating, and the anxiety is there. It's like, I don't know how I would ever jump on an airplane. So you hear right. that, walk me through that example. And, th and I'm using airplane and air quotes here, right? When somebody's listening to this, their airplane is something else. Maybe it's getting on a stage to speak. Maybe it's going to have that tough conversation. Maybe it's going to play on a baseball field. I don't know, but mine's an mm -hmm. airplane. Well, it's based on a locus of control, right? In a car, <laughs> if we're driving, we tend to think, and there's some good argument to it, that we have more control over it. Right. If you're flying your own plane, that might be different. So it's a matter of how much faith we have in, I, obviously, and I have a similar thought to you. <laughs> I'm fascinated every time a plane goes up. I right. understand physics. I did real well in it. And right. still, I'm amazed that the thing it, gets right. in the air. I don't get it. So being that I don't get it, it's a little bit scarier that way because also the difference between, what's the difference between a car and a plane? Well, one's already on the ground. Right. Gravity is not, is not your main factor generally. Right. So it's about what we think we can control. Yeah. So theoretically, what somebody would do would be to really discuss their fears about flying, death, and their anxieties related because it has meaning for them. Mm. So we always want to validate it. And that's a really big thing to get across to people. Is even if our fear is not exactly reasonable or rational, right. it still can be validated. Yeah, to some right, degree. right. Yeah, we have to be fair to ourselves. Um, and that's what people struggle with. And again, yes, statistically, we know, um, I think in two of the Superman movies, there was a plane accident. And in both, uh, Superman talks to the people on the plane saying, well, statistically, it's still the safest way to travel. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, how much you want to buy Superman? <laughs> yeah, people are like, well, there's the way more car wrecks than uh, plane crashes. And I'm like, I, logically, I get that. But there are way more people that survive a car wreck than there are a plane wreck. <laughs> it's like, you know, That's so right. in my mind, again, it, it's not logical. And I don't think most people's anxieties are 
I shouldn't say most, but I, I would say most of them understand that it's not logical, right? I mean, yeah. I used to get so scared to go speak on a stage and literally I would, I would vomit. I mean, I, I was so nervous and just a ball of stress. And then once I'm up there, it was fine, right? But it was that building up thing that people get so nervous about and it's what fear, right? False evidences appearing real. And it just feels so real that it creates this anxiety. And so I've done lots of techniques, lots of things, but this is about you and uh, things that maybe we can do to cope with that stuff to help us get through, whether it's speaking on a stage, getting on an airplane or whatever else that stress is. Right. I think people have to really talk it out and talk definitively about what's going on. I think Seinfeld is the one who had the joke that uh, the top two fears are uh, number two is death number one is public speaking. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and his interpretation was basically, if you're at the funeral, you would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> right. So someone talking about what the fear really means to me, because again, it's about vulnerability at the end of the day. It's about our, our, you know, our lives. So they'd have to talk it out thoroughly. That's where a therapist, yes, would come in, certainly. Yeah. And so is that what it is? I mean, is it literally that? Or I mean, there are other things that as a therapist, you can say, okay, hey, you know, Obviously, you need to come see somebody like yourself. But for me, for example, it was, it was slowing down to speed up. And what I mean by that, it was every morning taking time to think and breathe and, and uh, embrace this thing, right? This anxiety thing that I literally had my whole life. Talk to my cousins, talk to my friends from high school, all that stuff. It's, I've just always been a nervous person. But the last five to seven years have been some of the best with that thing being a friend but it was one, I went public with it. I started talking to people about it, right? And I think right. that is important because I used to be embarrassed by it. I would hide it, which would there make me more nervous, right? And then as I would talk about it, and even to talk about it on this show, right, is a being a vulnerable, is being vulnerable, yes. but it feels better. And I have found there are more people that struggle with it than I ever knew uh, that even anybody struggled with. I thought I was the only guy on earth that dealt with it. And the more I've shared, the more I have learned other people's struggle as well. Right. And that basically goes to the power of, let's say, it's called shame. Okay. Because we, we feel ashamed about it. When we get it out, the, the theory, one of the common things you'll hear in uh, recovery treatment is the idea that your secrets keep you sick. Hmm. So, and that's about shame because lots of people have shame in their lives, which is yeah. probably the hardest thing that people have to work to get rid of. Ultimately, any therapeutic process is probably going to deal with some shame because we carry it with us. So when you get it out, yes, we, we share it. We're not alone. Uh, this is right. why victims of abuse have so much trouble until they get public with what they're doing. Hmm. So the more they talk about it, the less it holds us. And then really the reality that we deal with is how to get skills to deal with the fact that we are uncomfortable. We don't have control over everything. Depending on how much gratitude, grounding, and faith we have in whatever it is we believe, that gives us some strength to say, yeah, I can do it. It's not it's not comfortable, right. et cetera. So that's how people work through it. Yep. So you talk about grounding. Are you talking about just the grounding of the faith? Or are you talking about the actual grounding where your feet are on the ground and, and, and not having the rubber soles and all that type of grounding? Which, which one are you talking yeah. about? In, in this case, uh, I would say uh, the faith part and literal grounding in a, in a daily practice. Yeah. In other words, yeah. people... You made an interesting point about how people are maybe anxious and tend to go a little bit too fast. Sometimes it, you know, it revs certain people up, let's say. I think that's partly yeah. what you said. So until we deal with that fact and we own, yes, I am anxious. And then we think, 
why the heck am I really anxious? Yeah. Then, so in a therapeutic sense, that's what somebody deals with to understand the underpinnings of it. And then they get to the, the real etiology. They get to the real cause. And once they deal with it therapeutically, it, 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 it takes the, the air out of the balloon. Right. As they say, it, it really makes it less caustic, less problematic. We, we kind of dial down the, uh, the volume on it. And it's like, yeah, it's not what I thought it was. Uh, and sometimes when people go through a therapeutic milieu, they start to say, you know what, this isn't even my stuff. I got mm. this from somewhere else. And when they can own that, they also have less shame because they're not yeah. blaming themselves for having it. And I was at a, a, a small intimate meeting. Uh, this is years ago. And there was a, a therapist there and uh, it was brought in with spouses and it was a, a business thing. And it was a really cool event that we went to. But um, it talked about this black suitcase, this black bag you carry around with you, right? And it is, to your point, I'm putting that person's thing in my, their skeleton in my bag, right? And then all of a sudden, you just keep putting things in the bag and you never deal with it. And you're carrying this 50-pound, 100-pound, 500-pound bag with you everywhere you go. And I think that's the point for somebody like you, right, is to slow down. And instead of taking on, it's talk and get rid of. Is that a fair way to say that, do you think? It's a great way to say it. That's sort of the essence of therapy on one level is you figure out in, in, ex, in experiential therapy, one of the things they do sometimes is an exercise where you're actually handing over the luggage back mm. to the person who gave it to you. Ah. Because if it's not yours, uh, don't carry it around. But people perfect, do yeah. that. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I think there's even a book by the name. I think it's called Drop the Rock. And that's about carrying other people's baggage. It's certainly a term that you hear in uh, recovery circles, but drop the rock because we learn, again, because there's no context. Unless somebody really takes the time to think it out and tell their children, look, I want you to be responsible for yourself. What we've seen, obviously, over years and years of history is parents' anxieties, how they can lead to the child's anxieties. Yep. If the parents model dealing with their own anxieties, the child has less anxieties, and ultimately, they simply watch their parents cope. If right. you watch your parents cope, no different than watching them exercise, you're more likely to take it on because you yeah. see, well, they're not worried. Right. That's a good point. Very good point. So I saw a funny meme. It said uh, people are going to come out of the, it's funny, but also true and, and sad all at the same time. Uh, they're going to come out of this three ways. Um, what they say? A hunk, a chunk, or a drunk, right? right? And it's like, those are really the three things that are kind of going on right now, right? People are, are choosing to embrace this and, and read more, think more, dream big and, and do bigger things for people and, and work out more and do all this stuff, or we're eating and drinking and doing whatever it may be. Um, so what, what advice do you have for that? I mean, of, of the three, I think I know which one I would rather have, but uh, what, what are some steps and strategies to stay focused when there's really not much to do? Well, I think we got to chain the fridge. No, I, I, I think, I think those, those are, it's all based on coping yeah. skills, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of coping, what coping skills we have, what coping skills we're willing to attain, yeah. right? Because that's, that's what most people struggle with because this is an odd situation. People are thrown into their homes. Yes, there are more pressures. There's more to do. You, you, you've explained that clearly with how you and your wife are handling everything. So what's the opportunity in it? And that's, you know, again, a mindset kind right. of thing. This is a great opportunity or this sucks. <laughs> and how, no, people you're right. approach that, how people approach it to say, you know what, I don't have to come out one of those three things. This is actually at a time that I can get empowered. I have to make that choice. 
then it's what's keeping me from making that choice because plenty of people didn't make that choice before the virus hit. Right. What was going on emotionally? You know, we discussed this before. Yeah. There's been a mental health crisis for years. Um, and you hear all the arguments that there's all these different things that have killed way more people than the virus. And uh, statistically, it's absolutely true. Right. Granted, you, you, you can't, um, you can't, your obesity isn't contagious. Right. It's just, I think right. that's a fairly right, 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 right. You can't sneeze. You can't on get that at the grocery right. store. Well, right. You're not going to get sneezed yeah. on. Right. Yeah. You're right. not going to get sneezed on and get fat. Right. So people have it uh, again, dealing with anxieties. Some people might actually see why they're not pushing themselves forward to be vulnerable and uncomfortable yep. to make change. I mean, that's again, it's what it all boils down to for people. Yep. How vulnerable do you want to be, and how afraid are you to do it? And if you look at why you're afraid. Well, who knows what you're capable of? Yeah, yeah. So, what what's your strategy? So, I I put this here. This this is my you know Sunday planning, if you will. And um, on that, you know, I have my my big goal number one, big goal number two, big goal number three, and then just some miscellaneous things that I want to get done. And then, what are my three uh, you know biggest priorities for the week? And so, for me, I get away from that for a while, right? I, I am very disciplined on this. It's something I do daily. It's something, you know, always on Sundays, but then especially every morning, I call it my focus 90. I come in, I set my bag down the same spot. I get my water. I say hi to people in the office. I come back and I have my 90 minutes that I can control. I have four things I do literally every day. No meetings, no nothing, just me in this journal and get these things done, right? And sorry to talk so much, but I think I just want, I'm very oh, interested please. to hear how you're, how you're doing on this because for me, I got away from that, right? My my uh, daily schedule, my routine was messed up. I can't go to the office, right? So therefore, I got away from it. I did it again on Sunday of this week, and I've been more focused and more energized and gotten more done. But I think so. If, if everybody's like me, you just get away from it, right? And that's so easy to do. Totally. I think that my call to action for people is go back to some planning, some daily planning in the morning, daily planning in the night uh, on a Sunday night. Plan your week. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think you nailed it. I think that's exactly what has to happen. I, I've sort of been pushing. We all need a schedule and we can all get away with it. I'm, I can be focused on certain things. And even with the schedule, I can, I can get off of it. Yep. But I think we need taking a Sunday to say, this is what I need out of the week. This is a basic structure of what I need my week to look like. You can write it in a planner. I, I always keep you know, a, a book. I've got it right here in front of me yep. at all times. My appointments are in there and the things I'm going to do outside it. The big goals people get away from it because we get so caught up in the news. We get so caught up with our anxieties, our pressures. That's why it's so important to stay emotionally connected. The thing that you're doing with that planning, that's what needs to happen for everybody. If anytime we needed it, we need it more now. We needed it before. Right. We need it more now. And the more people do that, the more mindful they are, the better their self-care. And if we've ever needed better physical and mental, uh, emotional self-care, I can't remember a time in history yeah. where it was more critical than that. Yeah, because I got to a spot even in exercising where, I mean, I pretty much exercise every day and you know, I, I stay fit and, and uh, it's part of my life, but not a huge part of my life, but it's certainly part of my life. But I, I literally wrote down as simple as this is, and I think for people to understand, it's not saying, okay, I want to go work out for 60 minutes and I want to do this. And it's like, we go from A to Z so quickly. I think, uh, again, I'm speaking for myself. I think I can set myself up for failure, right? I'm going to do this perfect workout every day for six days a week, even though I've not done it, you know, two days a week in, in the last month. Well, I think we're setting ourselves up for failure. My simple thing was if I can just go run one mile, run it, right? 
and I can do a 15 minute workout on the app, the Peloton app that I use. If I can just do that every day, that's 25 minutes of working out. Not a big deal, right? But here's what I have found. What do you think? Well, actually, I'll ask you the question. What do you think I found by setting that goal in the last week? What's happened? Well, for sure, you felt better and you were more focused, I bet. Okay. Felt better. I've been more focused. How have my eating habits become? Without fail, better. Without fail, better. Do you have that last cocktail? <laughs> You're going to be more mindful and no. <laughs> right. right. Exactly, You're, right? Right. You're like, I worked this hard not to screw it up, basically, right. is what it, right. Yeah. And so yesterday, I had a really, really busy day. It's the end of the day. I hadn't done it yet. What do you think? Do you think I chose to do it or do you think I chose to not do it and say, screw it, I'm not going to go on my one mile run in my, in my little workout? I think you did it. I did it, right? But why? Why do you think I did that? Well, there's a handful of things. You knew it would be good for you. You knew you'd feel better after. Your, consistent, your consistency in doing so keeps your mood up and you basically have a better mindset to attack whatever the heck comes up. It was a reasonable, realistic goal that's manageable. You weren't overshooting. So there's sort of no downside with that. Right. And the other secret is, I think, too, is is a really, really important thing that I've done throughout my career is going public. So I've told my wife, I've told my kids, I went public, right? So when I come upstairs, I think it was maybe 4.30 yesterday. I'm in the basement right now. And I go upstairs at 4.30 and I have not done it. What's the example I set to my wife and to my children if I choose to not go? Because it's a choice, right? If I choose to not go on my run, and then go downstairs and work out, what am I doing? So again, if I can go public, I wrote it down right here. I view it. I have to come in. I have six check or six little boxes right here. I have to come in every morning and write my check mark, right? It's just accountability. And, and I'm, I, I want to dumb it down because for me, I'm, I'm not the smartest. Uh, I'm not the, the brightest bulb on the tree, right? So, but if I can do something this simple and just check mark six times, it's very, very helpful. And it's accountability to myself. So. Uh, again, I'm hogging the conversation. I apologize, but I just am oh, very no, passionate about this stuff that's going on right now. And I think for somebody with, with your background and, and your expertise, I think it's validation for people to hear is dumb it down as much as you can for me and then have somebody at your level can articulate why it makes sense to do this stuff. I think what you did is great for a couple of reasons. One, you modeled the behavior, but two, I think you addressed something possibly without even realizing it on one level is that you addressed shame. Hmm. because you made it public, because you would have dealt with it otherwise. So when you put yourself out there accountable, it's harder to have shame. You know, shame is really what's difficult for yeah. so many people. So to put it out there, I, I find what's more interesting to me, a lot of people can talk about things. Uh, yeah. You know, social media has lots of posts and phrases. But what impresses me more than anything is something somebody does. Yep. It speaks much more volumes than any, you know, phrase or a phrase that somebody else said. I want to see what people do. Most of what I post on social media is largely going to be stuff I do right. because I also look for that. That's, you know, well, it's I, the old well done is better than well said, right? Right. I'll listen to podcasts because it's motivating, because it's interesting, because I can get nuggets from it. But watching something that, you know, drives you <laughs> connecting again, we were talking about emotional connection, right? Yeah. Well, when we connect over things that we're doing that are health based, again, that hit emotional, spiritual, social, intellectual, and physical, it raises our game. So mm-hmm. you, you actually nailed it in a, in a big nutshell of how to do it. Again, it's not about how big it was, but it was consistent. It was good. It yeah. did so many different things for you, particularly emotionally and physically. 
So there's just, there's, there's literally no downside. It's only how much upside. And yeah, if you're, if you're the parent, that's role modeling. Right. It's the ultimate in role modeling. Right. And you can talk trash. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And try to knock some time. I mean, it's, but I said one of my priorities is it's, it's not bring in this new client or do this thing. It's those things will happen in my opinion, when we do the little things and take care of ourselves, right. Our self-care, emotional, intellectual, physical, all those things you talk about. I think when you do those and stay committed to those, the business things happen. Right. So would you, would you agree with that? For sure. You're much, you're in a much better mindset position. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not against the belief that there's some law of attraction and when you what you put out there. So if you're putting out good energy, again, no one would arguably people go against the law of attraction to some degree, yeah. but they would never go and put out negative energy knowingly, and they would never tolerate it in somebody else. They might do it by themselves accidentally, but they right. would never tolerate it about, yeah. about somebody else and say, "Oh yeah, I want to be around that because that person's yeah. just a, a barrel of laughs." Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right. So I, I think it, it sets us up. When you get it in, your overall stress goes down. So your mindset, again, even if things go wrong, your coping skills are that much better. Yep. Period. I, there's just no way around it. And everybody can fight against that if they want to. Good luck. Right. But I just don't think that's going to help. And that's why, I, and I think that's a big reason a lot of couples are clashing, had been clashing before this. Um, so I think, it's, you know, I think this is an issue that we're going to see. There, there's yeah. been a lot of jokes about the divorce rate now. Oh, absolutely. Lot. My wife and I were on a walk there night. We were talking about that. Like, hey, we, we really do like each other. That's good. You know, because I told you before we recorded, right? Go to work, come home. I go this way. She goes that way. You come home. Everybody has to get to bed. And then you get up and you do it all over again, right? It, it's been a recalibration for the family of dinners at home. Uh, this, you know, as big of a sports guy as I am, it's crazy. I just said this last night with one of my sons, like I'm, it's amazing to me how much I'm not missing sports, uh, not just the watching it on TV. I'm talking about the actual, I love watching my kids do their thing. Right. But it's been also pretty dang awesome to be at home and, and be with them in a different way. You know, right, cause you're so, still, you're, you're present either way. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the, the bottom line. You're, you're connected yeah. and you're again, emotionally connected. The sports are great. How well do we cope when something's taken away from us that we thought, you know, was really important. And that's what I think people are being faced with across the board. Um, thus the jokes that I'm getting, yeah. uh, I call them jokes. Oh, you must be really busy now. I, you know, I, I think down the line, it's going to get busier. Yeah. Yeah, six to twelve months. Don't you think that's going to hit home when the when the newness is is worn off and people are kind of lives are quote unquote back to normal? Yes, there's a so the divorce rate has been said to be between fifty and sixty percent before this ever took place. Yeah, I've argued that it's much higher because there's a percentage of the population that can't or won't get divorced, and now they really can't or won't do it. Well, what's that yeah. going to do? That's yeah. going to lead to a lot more stressors and. It, due to the lack of coping skills, you see more problems. If people have the coping skills, they could get along. Right. Coexist, right. They could coexist, but yeah. that's not what we're seeing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, unfortunately, that's job security for you because, then, you know, think of all the, unfortunately, the kids and all the stuff, right, that they're going to see in the homes and, uh, and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's frightening all around, man. Like you said, it, it's a major issue before. Um, and I don't, and, and maybe I'd like to, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Do you think it's, more people are more open to talking about the mental health side now 
you know, 10 years ago, I mean, man, you wouldn't even mention having anxiety or talking about it, right? It seems like now more you hear people talk about that. Are you, are you still feeling and seeing the shame that people have or the embarrassment or the uh, lack of transparency or is it getting better? I see it. Great question. I have two thoughts about it. Maybe I have seven. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> let them rip, man. I want to let them rip. So the first thing is there's still a massive stigma. Two, I believe we have become a nation of medication more so than therapy. And I'm all for medication in its appropriate place. I think sometimes it is needed. However, a lot of times it's used as a panacea for everything and it doesn't ever address the underlying cause. So it keeps us stuck. So I think this incident with the virus being where we're at has woken some people up to the importance of mental health. I think it's spiked it tremendously. Do I think it's anywhere where it needs to be? Not even close, not even close. And I, I, and I'm not sure what's, what's going to tip it over. I think if we don't, you know, recover quickly enough, I think we're going to see more of an epidemic of mental health issues, albeit what are people going to go for? People would much, much rather medicate than talk. Yeah. No, That's you're right. It's a hell of a lot easier, right? It's, e- it's easier on one level for sure. And I don't think it's espoused or pushed. Let's put it this way. I'm, again, I'm a practitioner, so I have a slight bias, I suppose, if not a big one. Healthcare companies don't necessarily back up this idea that therapy should be treated like medication or like any other medical procedure. Right. I, I, I don't see it to this day. I would go on record about that. And until that changes where healthcare companies are willing to really do that, I know there's supposedly parity, but it's not for mental health. There isn't. Yeah. There's, there's just no way. And, I, and, I'm, and again, I'm the optimist. No, that's, so, a, that's a great point. That's a really, really good point. So I guess if I'm an insurance company and I come to you, or if I'm the patient, I come to you, my insurance is not going to cover that. You're saying I have to take it on myself uh, and just pay for it. I'm not going to get any support for that. Often. And I think yeah. even with, I will call it out of network reimbursement. So yeah. I don't yeah. take insurance because my, my, any, my dealings with the insurance companies has always been brutal. Yeah. Never been anything smooth. If I'm the insurance companies, my thought is, well, if they took a little bit less in profits <clears throat> on one level, they'd actually make more if they got counseling, just like any, mm-hmm. you know, any corporation, if they provide wellness programs, fitness, right. mental health for their, for their staff, Everybody's more productive. Everybody's happier. Yep. Why wouldn't you invest in that? And, I, and we're not at that place yet, unfortunately. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. So if I had to follow you around, I, I take a, a camera and I follow Jason and Eric Ross around for the next month. What, what is something I'm going to see day in and day out uh, that you do uh, for self-care, for your mental side, but just you know, for your life and for your success? What am, what am I seeing that you basically almost never miss? I think... I rarely miss exercise, and if I do, I'm pretty mindful of it. There's a, a relative structure to my schedule. Mm-hmm. There's enough emotional connection. Again, you know, we can have you know 1,500 friends on Facebook. However, there's the small amount of people right. that we have a, a regular connection with. So I think that's one of the things you'll see is I'm probably regularly <laughs> connected to a good degree. I'm probably picking up my guitar regularly. Mm certainly exercising regularly yeah. and I'm still focused while look, we all have concerns about what's going on. I want to make sure that I maintain my, let's say sanity yep. by doing the things that I know are good for me 
with the caveat that I know I'm going to, I'm, I'm realistic about the fact I'm going to take on stress every day. And some days are probably not going to go the way that I expected. In fact, I've had sure, you know, most, quite a few right. of them. Right. And we all, we all have it. There are days where I, where I sit and go, all right, what time is my workout? I have it set up. And it's like, I, I can see this going to hell. <laughs> how am I, how, what am I going to do to make up for it? Is, is there yeah. something else I'm going to be able to, to do with that? So while we all sort of have a monotony to everything that's going on, the consistency is in the emotional part in particular that I'm mm. going to be aware of. Yeah, I'm, I am taking on stress and I have to be fair to myself selfish if we want to call it sure that i i need what i need because i'm you know i I think well i'm the quarterback if i don't protect the quarterback who's going to do it everybody can tell me right but not as good as my doing it that's a great point so what's your exercise i think you said earlier maybe it's before but i think you said 50 years old right and and i turned 50 this year yeah well i say congrats that's like like it's a big congratulations man (laughs) no uh isn't that the joke right isn't that the joke right Oh, you made it, you know. You made it, man. Good for you. Uh, no, but but you're in good shape, right? And, and it seems to be good energy, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so what, what's a typical exercise, you know, quote unquote routine look like for you? In the last two months, for sure, I'm biking probably twice a week, getting, you know, just getting out. So I, for my head, more than yeah. the physical, I'm not going for speed records. I'm not interested. Sure. So just the distance, I jump rope a lot. I've been doing that since I was 25. Yeah. It's, it's pound for pound, time-wise efficiency. It's great. Uh, running a bit, and I'll do workouts uh, on like beach body, uh, things okay. like P90X that yeah, I've yeah. you know, been involved with. So, and again, just in even walking, I'm, I'm mindful that just getting out mentally, emotionally is important. Sometimes that's what I'm going to get done on a given, yep. given day. Uh, and pushing my body and then pushing it mentally when I hit the, you know, when I hit the sack later, um, yep. the sleep has been deeper. Yeah. That's even good. Though there's more, even though there's more stress around us. Sure. The, uh, the jump rope, man, I noticed that on Instagram, you know, we've been connected and friends for a while in here and, and, uh, but I, one, you're a hell of a jump roper guy. Uh, it's pretty I impressive, guess. but, but, but what's, what's the benefit to that? Like, what does that do for you? Okay. So, Physically, jumping rope, the, the, I think statistically, they say jumping rope for about 10 minutes is the aerobic equivalent of a half an hour of jogging. Now, that being said, jump rope works every part of your body. The intensity aerobically can be much greater because you can increase speed without the pounding on your, you know, on your joints. Mm. I also use a couple, I use a cross rope. Uh, they have a rope system, so they have different weights. Okay. So the heavier the rope... Uh. The more aerobic you get more for your arms and yeah yeah i'm gonna so today my 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 midday today is going to be even if i get half an hour half an hour is a lot where i'm just going to push jumping interval after interval and cardiovascularly it's amazing Uh, i I grew up playing basketball when i started jumping rope something changed for me fitness wise i got Hmm. faster and quicker on my feet interesting Um, yeah and that's why i was able to still play uh, play basketball even up to even even though the last 15 years I haven't played much, I can still step on the court and hold my own. Right. Aerobically, I've got a decent capacity and my footwork is still good. Yeah, yeah. I would that the 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 physical side of that man is is if I try to jump rope at all, it's, it is you know I, I go about a minute and I'm like exhausted, right? I mean, but compared right. to going out and running, yeah. So I mean, it's a good point because it is you're working your core, your arms, your legs. I mean, everything. Everything. Jumping rope with people people are used to getting winded. So if your form is good, which obviously people have to work on, uh, and they should definitely go look at uh, cross rope among other things. There's so many good 
things on Instagram. There's some jump sure. rope dudes, uh, jump rope gal, jump rope mom, all these people right. who do stuff. Right. Uh, if you can jump a minute, then you have to work to get to two minutes. When you get to two minutes, if you can do it decently, you're not that winded, getting to four or five is not as hard. It gets mm. easier the long, like if you can jump for 10, jumping for 15 or 20 is not impossible. Yeah, you might get caught, you might make mistakes, sure. but your aerobic capacity. And you're saying like literally doing it the whole time without even hitting your feet, I mean, like without messing up. You're just saying that can continuous. You might, you might mess up. The chances of somebody sure. messing up are, are good. And yeah. you put, again, it's a second or two, you go back. But if you right. can jump for the better part of 10 minutes, you're in pretty damn good shape. <laughs> so people who know, so it's daunting because at one minute, people's heart rate goes up. Right. Little by little, you, you add 10 seconds, 20, 30. And before you know it, you, you're at two minutes. Once you're at two, getting, I think the way I, I, again, I was younger, but I went from two to six, six to 10, like that. <laughs> yeah, you make mistakes. But then it becomes about footwork. And if you can jump rope for 10 minutes with footwork, you're yeah. crushing it. Well, I also, I've heard, and maybe I'm wrong on this, because you got to be careful what you read, right? But you, even your lymphatic system, right? How, what that does for you, jumping rope. Is that a fair statement or not? That's what I've heard. I'm sure okay. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on what you're saying. You're believing it. All right. Sometimes yeah, you just got to believe it, right? <laughs> you got to have enough faith to believe it. Right. right. It, it, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's like the theory of chicken soup. It couldn't hurt. Right. You know, if you jump on a decent surface, again, you're not supposed to jump high. It's literally that high off the ground. <laughs> Once you get going, I, it, the, the, when you're done, you feel like, wow, I crushed it. it the, yeah. the, the, emotion, the mindset, the, the head thing is great because That's you just amazing. feel, you know, it's cathartic. I, again, I've, yeah. I've been lucky. I got introduced to it at 25, yeah. uh, 26 years old, but I took to it quickly. And it's, it, I, it's one of the things that definitely helps. Again, yeah. Just from a relaxation, you know, you don't, I don't have, let's say, you know, I'd like to go work out for an hour. What if I don't right. have it? Well, if I get a 20 minute jump rope workout in there, I get a good warm up in and then jump. Yep. I, I accomplished a lot. Man, that's awesome. And we, and we need it now. Heck yeah, we do. Heck yes, we do. Where do we, uh, where do our listeners find more of Jason Eric Ross? I guess they could find me on any social media using my full name, Instagram, Jason and Eric Ross. That's where I post a lot of stuff. Yeah. I always use all three names. That's the one advantage. I'm the only Jason Eric Ross that I know of. <laughs> That's right. And uh, if you go to even Vimeo, you can see uh, some of my clips from TV awesome. professionally as an actor. I like it. And the uh, website or is it find it Jason on Eric media? Ross. Yeah. Jason yeah. Eric Ross too. Yeah. Awesome. I, the website's not, not probably as up to date as the social media. Right. And, and I think the, uh, you know, the point is if somebody just feels like, Hey man, they need to reach out to somebody. I mean, you're a guy that's a great resource for you. You can find it on the website. Um, can certainly do that. Cause sometimes people don't want to work with somebody locally. Right. So if you're here in the St. Louis area and you feel like you don't want to work, call somebody locally, you're a guy, call them, you'll help them. Uh, there's a lot going on emotionally right now. People not need to be embarrassed or feel, you know, crazy about it. Just, just pick up the phone and call somebody and talk. Fair? It's, re it's really important. I'll give one resource that people should be using across the country, uh, psychologytoday.com. There's a therapist listing on psychology today. I'm, I happen to be listed on it, but therapists in your local area are working all via teletherapy now. It's a great resource. It certainly makes it. I'm all for one-to-one face-to-face. That's what I've grown up with. That's what yeah. I know. But the resources are there now. It works around your schedule. But going to psychology today, you can really search for a therapist who might be a good fit, not just you know what's on your insurance plan. Sure. 
Sure. Well, Jason, Eric Ross, it's been awesome having you back, man. And uh, appreciate the wealth of knowledge and uh, in these troubling times that we're in. It's people like you that are helping us uh, come out of this on, a, on hopefully a brighter side. I appreciate you having me on. I really do. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 